0: I was looking at this package like what the hell got delivered to my house? I don't understand what what did I order that's about this size and about, I don't Oh, I know what it is.
1: I like that you sit and look at the box and try and work it out before you open the box. Like what's in you box? We're
0: going into a topic that I'm not really even sure how to explain myself. So this is a hard thing to start.
1: Yeah. I completely follow you, and I and I think that this will come through in our conversation today. But I think for to try and fill people in on what we're about to start talking about today, you vaguely mentioned at the end of the last episode that mm-hmm. you were working on a blog post, mm-hmm. right? And I ended up including it in the show notes, but we didn't talk about it on the show because it wasn't out yet. You hadn't finished it. And this post was called dialing down, which you put CGP com on your blog there. Mm-hmm. And you're basically talking about, I'm going to put words in your mouth and I'm going to ask you to try and summarize it. What you've written, basically talking about the effect that the internet has on your life and how you're trying to shut some of it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. Uh, that blog post came about in a bit of a strange way because I had been thinking for a while about trying to take a bit of a step back from the internet. And I mean the internet in a very, very broad way right now, which we'll talk about a bit more later perhaps. But I was thinking about taking a step back from the internet and it started with me thinking that, oh, maybe I'll, I want to just not be on Twitter as much as I am. And so I started to, to write a tweet thinking... Let me just say that I'm going to stay off Twitter for a little while. This will publicly commit me to being off Twitter for a little while, and I'll just post it quickly and just kind of get on with the day. But, of course, Twitter has the 140-character limit. And so I tried to write something out and realized, I can't quite express my thoughts in this 140 characters. Let me just quickly open up a text file and try to write out what I'm thinking and then condense it down to a tweet. And then, as these things go sometimes, I was later looking at a 1500 word mess that i just kind of Mm. poured out on the page i was like i don't think this is a tweet anymore i think i am attempting to explain to myself something that i'm trying to do and so yes last thursday when we recorded that show i kind of knew there was something on my mind because i had this big mess of a draft of a blog post but i didn't exactly know what it was but uh over the next couple of days which is relatively fast for me to actually publish something Uh, i wrote up this article about several areas that i want to turn down in my life and i posted it on the website and this was a bit of a uh, public commitment device to myself to make sure that this is a thing that i was actually going to do
1: are you able to really explain why you feel the need to do this Because, I mean, in a nutshell, you've cut some entertainment stuff out, which we'll talk about. But the majority is you're basically removing yourself from a lot of social media activity.
0: Yeah. Okay. So in preparing for this show, I was thinking, okay, let me... It's walking around and I'm trying to, as I do before the show, organize the thoughts in my head. and think, okay, well, like, what is my... How do I explain in words this thing that I have... Written, And I think that the most concise way I can come up to describe it is that I have been aware, I would say largely since the summer, of this increasing feeling that I am overwhelmed. But because of some events that happened in the last month or two, it's partly that like I've been working a little less because I've been focusing a bit more on my health, and a couple of videos that just didn't work out, so I had to, like, scrap them at the last moment, so taking a bunch of stuff off my plate. There were a few things that combined to make me realize that there was there was this disparity, that I was feeling overwhelmed. But if I sat down and, like, wrote down on a piece of paper what are the things that I actually have to do, how much time do I actually have to do them, the feeling of overwhelm was like an illusion, I wasn't genuinely overwhelmed. Like, I have spent a lot of time and effort, as we've discussed on the show, trying to arrange my life in such a way so that it is the life that I want to live. And one of the components of that is not being overcommitted to things. So I rarely accept new projects. I try to severely limit the number of things that I work on. But somehow over time, this feeling of overwhelm had been growing and... I realized that it was not in proportion to the amount of things that I was actually currently working on. So so this is me trying to figure out, like, where, where did this come from? Like, that's why I was partly writing this article, is to try to figure out, like, what is the source of this somewhat incorrect feeling? And... Thinking back, the other time I can remember feeling like this was when I was in college. And I remember having a similar feeling of, boy, I'm really overwhelmed. But if I actually sat down and wrote out lists in my then super cool Palm Pilot of the things that I actually had to do, it's like, well, do you really have an overwhelming number of things to do? it's it was a bit like okay the transition from high school to college was well actually you have way more free time than ever and objectively you have far fewer things to do like so why does this feeling of overwhelmness in college happen when you just like there's not actually more things to do and if anything there's fewer things to do um so that that's that's kind of what i was i was trying to think through um and the thesis point here was that the 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 thing that was similar between then and now was recognizing that I have let a lot of inputs into my life. And so in this conversation, when I'm talking about the internet, what I really mean is I'm talking about all of these digital vectors, these digital sources of information that reach me in one way or another. And so, this includes things like, not just social media, so it's not like things like, oh, I'm on Twitter, and I see what all these people on Twitter are doing, and then I go over to Reddit, and I look at all the stories on Reddit, and then I check out Hacker News, and I check out all the things on Hacker News. It's not just that, because I've been, like, well, not so much Twitter, but like with Reddit and Reddit-like places like Slashdot back in the day, I've spent my whole life on sites like that. <laughs> like that's, that's not anything new but it's over time there's been this increase in the number of things that deliver information my way. So it includes things like I use Instapaper, but I set up a system so that there's a lot of articles that just show up in Instapaper automatically for me to read. And then I have this podcast app that I use, which automatically is collecting all of these podcasts. And so I had over time somehow ended up with several dozen different podcasts that i was listening to it's like okay so all of these shows are always available for me to listen to and i'm spending a lot of time listening to them whenever i'm walking around like this is a source of input and then on top of that there is just this this other thing that happens when you're doing well in your career like there's a lot of people who want your time and attention for various projects and so there's just a lot of people who I interact with in a professional manner in one way or another who are instant messaging me or like I'm suddenly on three different Slack teams. It's like, how did this happen? I just like these things have just added up over time. So that there are many, many different ways that people can reach me. So when I say the internet, I'm kind of referring to all of these things together because they all come to me through the internet. And so I think that's that's the conclusion that I've come to is that it is in aggregate all of these things together, many, many, many of which are non-actionable. They're just information that is coming to me that I have chosen to have come to me that have led to this feeling of overwhelmedness that is like an illusion. It's not real, but I think that it's related to like the number of things that I am letting into my brain, it's not related to the number of things that I actually have to do. And we may talk about it later, but I think this has also had a bit of an effect on uh, my work and my output.
1: So the result of you reading and consuming information um, is doing something in your brain which is making your brain think it has more to deal with than is accurate.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe. The way I'm thinking about it is the the word that keeps coming to my mind is fragmented. That I feel like my attention and my thoughts are fragmented over a very large number of very small things. And at least for me anyway, I don't think that's an effective way to be. So that's that's the way it feels. Like just all of this stuff coming in leads to fragmented attention. One of the places I really first noticed this was actually with reading articles in Instapaper. So I can't remember if I include this in the article or if I cut this because I thought it was boring. But every day I have some time that I set aside for reading because I think it's a good activity to do, and I also think it's important for my work, so I have some blocks of time that are set aside for reading. And I don't know exactly when, but at some point I seem to just have quite naturally transitioned from reading books to much more reading articles that were in Instapaper, that were coming from blogs that I like, from writers that I like, and so I open up Instapaper and like there's just this this collection of articles that I want to see is in there. But I was aware of after spending, say, 40 minutes sitting down and reading a bunch of articles that I felt I felt like exhausted after that process. It didn't feel like, oh, boy, this is something that I'm glad that I have done. Like I've sat down and I've spent 40 minutes going through a book. At the end of that, I would feel like, oh, okay, this is good. I feel interested in the argument that this person is making or I'm following someone explaining themselves over time. No, instead I'm spending 40 minutes but it's spread across 15 different articles that are perhaps touching on you know 20 different topics all told between them and and that just felt really tiring. It didn't feel like I'm not I don't think this is a good a good way to spend what I think of as reading time. And so that I think that helped kick off a little thought process in my mind like why do you feel tired after reading a bunch of articles in a way that you don't feel tired if you spent that time reading a book because you've been engaged in the same activity for the same amount of time like what's different between these two things and the answer is that somehow following a single person's argument in a book for that same amount of time is a better experience for me than reading a bunch of different authors talking about a bunch of different things over that same period of
1: time. I'm just trying to understand the, the way in which your brain could potentially be working, right? <laughs> you
0: and me both, man. Yeah, I know.
1: Because <laughs> obviously this is something that is unique to you in this way, but i I don't think that it is completely unique. So quite interestingly... Two days before you published that blog post, I decided that I was going to take a week away from Twitter. So I was going to take a complete week away. I logged out, I had my girlfriend change my password, I deleted all of the apps from my devices, and I didn't log in to Twitter to, to post anything for a week. Um, And I spoke about this on a couple of episodes of another show I do on Relay FM called Analog. And I'll put links to those in the show notes. But essentially, I wanted to do this for two reasons. One, I felt like um, I was spending too much time on Twitter every day. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was doing partly what you have explained. And when, when I read your blog post and like this one line where you said, he came to realize the overwhelmed problem wasn't about the number of things to do, but was about the number of things he let into his brain. So that was something that I was definitely feeling, um, Mm -hmm. that I was allowing the world to control my emotions in a slightly different and interesting way. So people weren't able to control my emotions directly. It wasn't like friends, family, co-workers or things that were happening in my life that should have an effect on me. But the thoughts and feelings of other people that I was reading was affecting my emotions Hmm. in one way or another. Um, and or it was just a lot of time spent every day where I could be doing other things, where I was just consuming tiny pieces of information from close to 600 different people.
0: You follow 600 people on Twitter?
1: Well, I did. <laughs>
0: okay, I guess that, I guess that's something that has changed. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: This is like a long process. I actually brought that number down from 1000 to 600. Oh my god. Yeah, over a few weeks, because I could feel like something was happening, and then I decided to just cut my losses for a week and just not not go there at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the understanding that like, Twitter is a really important source for me of, of information, of news, of a way to keep up with friends, see what's going on in the world, like, it is a real important source for me. But I realized that the only way that I could come to any kind of solid decisions or to try and learn anything was mm-hmm. to go cold turkey. Mm-hmm. So I could completely understand what was going on. And I set a bunch of rules myself. You can hear am on the episode of Analog. Like I could go to twitter.com slash Grow if I wanted to, but I couldn't read my own timeline and I couldn't respond to people, basically.
0: You turned yourself into a Twitter lurker. That's what you did.
1: Yeah, effectively. Yeah, so all <laughs> I could do was just like peek in through the window, but I wasn't right. allowed to go and sit down at dinner with everybody. Right. Um, <laughs> and I think I learned some pretty valuable things and I very quickly... Came to the realization that it was probably better for me to be spending less time there, because I felt pretty productive during that week. Um, I felt in control of my own emotions mm. in a, in a slightly different way to usual, mm-hmm. and it really just allowed me to kind of refocus what I wanted to do with some of my online life going forward. So, like now, I'm I cut that number down from like 500 to 300 and something Mm -hmm. um so i cut i unfollowed a bunch of people um i'm disabling retweets from a bunch of people like i'm it's now a big process where i am attempting to go through and have there be less tweets in my timeline right because what i've realized is if there is less stuff there it takes up less time to look through it and it has the opportunity to make less of an effect on me in the long run Right. So that was kind of the the, uh, the thought process that led me to do this, to take this experiment and then to go forward from it. Right. So I've learned I've learned. But more importantly than anything else, I'm now thinking about it a lot when I'm interacting online and trying to consider what this could be otherwise. Because I was fine without Twitter for that week. like, I was totally fine.
0: For the week without Twitter, you were fine.
1: Yeah. It was like, this is okay. Like, I don't miss this as much as I thought I would. (laughs) But Twitter remains to be very important to my business. Like, I get a lot of news and information which help inform the shows. Uh, I promote the stuff that I do. I see what other people are working on. Like, it still is very, very important. So, I'm kind of at a point where I can't be without it completely but what I can do is make more informed decisions and choices about the way that I interact with that part of my internet life. So, so that's where I am and was with that. But you've gone way further than me. Well, so it was
0: interesting because we we talked about this very briefly after the last episode because we, d- we stumbled upon that we were both doing the same thing at the same time. Uh, or I, I should say a similar thing at the same time. And I think we're doing it for very different reasons. But one thing that, that connects our modern quandary in a way is that it is not possible to just totally step back from the internet for most people and for us in particular, where our lives are really dependent on the internet. I mean, in some crazy way, the thing that I would really want to do is be right now in a cabin in the Rocky Mountains with no internet connection and just a bunch of books and thinking like, okay, I need to just do like this digital detox and, and just think about some stuff and sort some stuff out and just be here with my thoughts and my books and just do all of this. But that is not possible with the modern world. And that is really not possible with my business. Like if I disappear from the internet for a couple of months to be a crazy person living in a place without an internet connection, like that's that's a huge problem for me and my business. So it's not something that can really be done. And that's that's also partly what I'm trying to express in that article that I wrote is, well, I can't turn these things off, off forever, but I'm trying to figure out how to dial down these inputs, how to reduce them to a level where I feel better about this. But total elimination is not practical and it's not possible although for the purposes of this experiment, there are a few things that I am totally eliminating. but in the in the long run, it's not a thing that I could just say, oh, I'm gonna give up I'm just gonna give up Twitter like I don't I'm never gonna look at Twitter again. That's just not practical and or I should say something like Reddit and just in general conversations on the internet where people argue like I'm not going to give those up. I love those (laughs) like I really love them. They're also part of my business as part of the feedback mechanism. They're part of what I do. So I can't give up internet feedback for business reasons and I can't give it up because it's something that I just genuinely like as well but i'm just trying to figure out like where where is the appropriate setting with these things
1: so where is your information coming from now because just to outline you've you've you're restricting access to twitter reddit youtube and podcasts right they're kind of the four main things that are having restrictions and the restrictions vary depending on the service
0: yeah um okay let's, let's let's go here's the most strict to the least strict maybe yeah one of the biggest things that felt like just too much of an input in my life was podcasts i had gotten into this habit of just listening to podcasts at any moment in my life where there might be the tiniest bit of boredom and so that's what that for. Yeah, I know that's what they're for. <laughs> I know I know that we are on a podcast right now. And maybe I shouldn't be telling people, like, don't listen to podcasts. And I'm not, right? You should listen to all of the good shows. But for me anyway, I just found that I was, it was this very much reflexive, go-to, put-on-a-podcast, at every moment when you can possibly have one listening. And the way I set it up was that I had this this endless playlist that was just like the CGP Grey radio station of like shows that CGP Grey likes. And when one show ends, like the next show just begins. And I just run through this this like endless, endless radio stream. And so I felt like there was just too, too much of this in my life. And so what I have done for the month of November is that I have uninstalled the podcast app from all of my ios devices so there's no podcasts on my phone and because i knew like like there's this thing in uh, addiction circles where you talk about substitute behaviors where you take you have to decide like okay you pick your poison right you're going to remove one thing but you're very naturally going to fill it up with something else and so i knew like i'm probably going to just replace this with audiobooks and so i also uninstalled uh, the audiobook stuff from from my devices as well. And my feeling was, okay, look, no spoken audio on my phone. Like that's that's one of these things that I want to achieve because there's way too much of this. So I want to do a month with none of this. So that's probably the most extreme thing. Or right, do you have any questions about that or should I go on?
1: I just have tears. That's all. I have nothing more to say than that, really. It
0: is strange not listening to podcasts. That That has been weird.
1: Well, of course, because they are the premium way to get any kind of information
0: this this is
1: true just go to relay.fm and you can choose (laughs) uh
0: yes this is this is very true they are the premium way to get any kind of information
1: this episode of cortex is brought to you by text expander from smile if you're somebody that ever needs to type the same sentences phrases or even words on a regular basis then you need text expander in your life. What TextExpander will do is help you save time and effort by expanding short abbreviations into frequently used text or even pictures. TextExpander is an app that is there to improve the communication that you have with people via your computing devices. For example, you can increase consistency in your email responses by creating snippets for common messages, with the ability to also even customize stock replies by adding fill-in fields and pop-ups to provide that human touch. So for example, you can make a snippet for your meeting notes templates so that no Nothing gets left out during that important meeting you have this afternoon. Or you can use a snippet when requesting a reference to improve your hiring process. If you're typing things frequently or sending stuff to people that looks or feels the same, then you should be using Text Expander to standardize all of that and to save you time. And with a new look and feel, Text Expander 5 is here to help you type even faster than ever before by making suggestions of frequently typed phrases to abbreviate and save time. TextExpander can remind you of missed opportunities as well to use your abbreviations when you're typing. You can even sync your snippets amongst multiple devices by storing them on iCloud Drive or Dropbox. This means that all your snippets are going to stay in sync everywhere and you can access your TextExpander snippets inside of Smile's iOS app or enable TextExpander in the over 60 apps in the App Store that have integrated snippets. Apps like Fantastical, Drafts, Launch Center Pro, On the Outliner, Editorial and so many more. And they even have their own iOS custom keyboard that comes with Texas Bander for iOS so you can use your snippets in any app whether they've integrated them or not Texas Bander is one of the first apps that I install on my devices I feel kind of lost without it I will start typing in my Texas Band abbreviations things don't happen and it feels like my computer is broken Texas is integral to the way that I get work done on my devices Texas Bander 5 costs $45.99 US and upgrades are available for $19.95 for existing users it's free to of those as well who purchased on or after January first, two thousand and fifteen. You can find out more about Texas Panda Five by visiting SmileSoftware.com/cortex. Please note, Texas Panda Five requires Yosemite and is ready for El Capitan. And Texas Panda for iOS is on the App Store for iPhone and iPad. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show.
0: So after that, easy stuff. Hacker News is a Reddit-like, oh god, they'll really hate me saying that, but it's a Reddit-like discussion board, mainly focused on technology stuff. I've blocked that from all of my various devices. I have turned off all the things that automatically put articles into my Instapaper queue, so that's just gone now. The only things that are added to Instapaper is if I add something manually, which is very rare. I haven't logged on to Twitter at all this month so far, so very much like you, I'm not going on to Twitter I'm not posting anything on the account. I haven't looked at any app messages. I like, I have no idea what's going on there. Um, I did set up a thing so that Twitter should email me if people direct message me or something, but I just I haven't even gone through my email fully to see if I've gotten any of those, so I don't Oh know. god.
1: <laughs> I'll set up an emergency system, but then won't check it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what just yep.
0: happened. Yep. It's like, "Oh right, I never set that up in my filters so that it goes to the top level."
1: Oh well. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, that was a funny thing for me. Like, I was getting mm-hmm. DMs that were important, but I hadn't set anything up. I just let them go. So when I came back after that week, I was like, oh, here are a bunch of things that I actually really did need to know about. Oh, well.
0: Yeah, I did have a little bit of difficulty with that where there was a friend who was visiting London and was trying to coordinate things over... Uh, direct message with me and it just so happened that they did that the, like moments before i fully shut down the system and i was able to, to say like listen over the next couple of days you need to instant message me this is not <laughs> you can't do this over dm on twitter i will not see any of this and they're like, but i'm going to london and i won't have a phone i don't know like i don't know man like you just got to figure this out but i will not. this is forget... your problem now
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it worked out fine Um, (laughs) as these things often do. There's so few problems that are really problems, Mike. Sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I'm not directly posting anything on Twitter. I am using a system to still promote my stuff, which we might come to later. But I have not logged on to Twitter at all. The most difficult one is Reddit and what to do about Reddit because... I do like to post my stuff there, and I do consider the community of people on Reddit who leave feedback a vital part of the work that I do. So I can't just block Reddit everywhere. That's the one that is still available to me to access. But I pretty much haven't gone on Reddit for the past, you know, whatever ten days or so. I failed a little bit on that, but I mean, not not wildly so. So that, that that's broadly speaking the. Uh, The outline for what i'm doing this month
1: and what about youtube
0: oh yeah youtube so i have this account that i use to subscribe to a lot of youtube channels i've never been a big youtube watcher but i've always wanted to know what people are up to but uh i've logged out of that account
1: at least you say bad things about youtube not just podcasts (laughs) yeah i don't listen to podcasts and i don't watch youtube videos (laughs) CGP (laughs) Grey.
0: I make my living at both. (laughs) It's actually quite true. So um, I have signed out of that account that I use to just follow stuff on all of my various iOS devices. And so this way, I don't even see when I log in like, oh, what have these various people posted? Like I just don't even want to know what everybody else is up to. So these are all of the various ways in which I have isolated myself from the world.
1: All right. So how is information coming to you? Because you can't, you cannot shut yourself off completely from the world. You cannot do that, right? Because that doesn't seem like a, a good thing to do, especially for a month. Um, so Whoa. how how is any information coming to you? How are you knowing? <laughs> I mean, obviously not what's happening, you know, in the global economic whatever, because neither me or you read that kind of stuff. But there yeah. are types of news and types of information that I guess you deemed important enough to want to know about. Like, how are you getting any of this type of stuff now? Or are you just not?
0: I mean, the thing is, yeah, you and I have never really been big news followers. But there's a lot of stuff where if you just live on the internet, it's impossible not to be ambiently aware of large events in the world. But because I haven't gone on Reddit or Twitter... I I really have no idea what's going on in the world Hmm. for the last 10 days. And, I mean, thinking it through, it's like, "Oh, oh, what's my biggest source of input? It's like, oh, books? I guess books now are my biggest source of input. Like, I've been reading a lot more.
1: So you're not really getting anything of what's happening now, right? Yeah. You're getting information, but it's not, it's a different type of information completely.
0: It's like I've dropped down to just a much lower cycle time for any, any informational input as, you know, a new cycle happens on a very short period of time. But now for the last 10 days, anyway, the stuff that's coming into my life that is new is very, very, very largely books or I was going to say, like, I was going to say a little bit of research that I've done for a couple of the videos that I'm working on, um, but even that, the the video projects that I am currently focused on are not super research heavy. So even then, it's not like I'm I'm happening to be on the internet or on the web anyway, bouncing around from web pages quite a lot. So
1: I I really don't have any input. Over the last week or so, I've felt an extra duty where I, sometimes I just send you a thing here and there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I think Gray might want to know about this. So I just send I just send you very little pieces of information every now and then, you know. That's
0: true. You have sent me a couple things, but those are almost all like businessy things that I need to know about. But you but you're aware even then it's like, I think maybe the normal channels, it's harder to reach him through. I have had more than a few people in my life be like, Jesus, you're really hard to get in touch with just under yeah. normal circumstances. I also like... don't know how to contact you at the
1: moment. It's an it's a nightmare. I'm like, do I like if I send Gray an iMessage, will he kill me? Like I don't know what the right way to contact him is.
0: Yeah, I've had several friends friends and family express the same disconcernment which is like i just have a hard time getting in touch with you normally and now i feel like it's doubly hard like if of anybody in the world you seem like the person who least needs to become more difficult to contact mm-hmm. and i'm like no i think i do need to become more difficult to contact you're lucky i'm not in that cabin in the rocky mountains right now
1: <laughs> the dream the dream
0: <laughs> yeah not really it's just like a thing to do as a vacation but you know you don't want to live there not forever that's what crazy people do
1: so how are you? How have you set up your devices as well? Like knowing you as I do, you've done something to them. Yeah. So let, let me talk about
0: what has been the most practical thing that I have done that I might suggest other people might want to try if, the, if they want to do something like this. I have always been aware that, and I think we've even discussed on the show a little bit, that for me, mornings are a time that I have to get everything right in order to have the rest of the day go the way that I want it to, so that any any disturbance in the morning is bad news. And so I like these things to be nice and regular. One of the things related to this overwhelm problem that I was aware of was, while I have actually been pretty good about locking down my phone in terms of notifications, oh, by the way, I did take off email from my iphone as i fully expected that i would uh <laughs> there's no more email on my iphone oh, so that,
1: that didn't last <laughs>
0: no it didn't it actually it came off maybe like a couple days after that show went up uh when we did the feed the follow-up that was me trying to solve a problem in exactly the wrong way it's like i feel like i'm not getting enough done maybe i should i should add a constant source of stress and anxiety bring it closer to me have it always be on my phone no that was a terrible idea as i full well knew that it was but i was just trying something different and it didn't work out But so anyway, I've taken mail off my phone. I'm normally very good about just not having anything have alerts on my phone. But nonetheless, there are still some things that my phone is very good for that I want my phone to have alerts for. So for example, instant messages from people who are close to me. And as I mentioned before, I'm on several Slack teams for various projects that I work on, and there are channels on those Slack te- teams where if someone posts something, like I need to know and I need to respond to this because it's, it's business related. So those are these two areas where stuff can come into me and I do want to be able to have access to it. But what I was finding was that even if I set up the phone as I did, so that it never makes a noise, it never beeps. But there is just in the notifications or there's a badge that like, okay, someone sent me an iMessage or there's a Slack message that I need to respond to. I was finding that that was one way that my mornings were getting disrupted by input from the outside world that I was just unhappy with. And it sounds really dumb that, oh, someone just instant messaged you and like, can't you just wait until after you're done with your writing session for the morning, like after you do your normal routine, can't you look at that later? It's like, well... Just knowing the badge is there is irritating. It's like this little splinter in your mind or this grain of sand that's just a bit of an irritation. And looking at it then, it's like, okay, well, either I deal with this now or now I have to remember that there's a thing that I need to deal with later. I just didn't, I didn't like this at all. And I wasn't quite sure how to solve it. But so then I realized, oh, I know what to do about this. Now, a year ago, I was using the old iPhone 6 which I loathed for very many reasons. And largely due to your influence, I eventually switched to the uh, 6 Plus, which is a phone that I like much better.
1: You found the right path.
0: It is. It is Mm -hmm. genuinely much better. The 6 Plus, I quite like it. But because I buy my phones outright, I happen to have this old 6 lying around that I just never quite did anything with. I never got around to selling it on eBay or anything. So I had this old phone. And what I decided to do was I set up this old phone my six as this totally offline phone so it doesn't have a sim card in it so there's no phone number it doesn't have a data connection on it the only couple of things that it has on it is my music collection actually i should pull up exactly what i have on it where is my little phone there
1: the little phone i should send you
0: a screenshot yeah. See the problem. See now, this is the problem, though. Is it's like, oh wait, now I have two things to keep track of. Um, yeah. And I was just using it before. So hold on, I go need to. I need to go grab it. I'll be right back.
1: Okay. Eventually, he'll end up buying like four of these, and then he'll have them in his different bags, and there'll be like four offline devices and two online devices, and he'll have to keep a catalog of them. And...
0: Hi, I'm back. Hi, Hello. I'm back. Hi. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'm looking at my phone now. So here are the things that I have on it. I was trying to. Uh, I didn't want to try to do it from memory because I sat down for a while and tried to figure out what do I need where. So the thing that is on my little offline phone is notes, which is where I just write down whatever pops into my head.
1: But they can't sync anywhere.
0: <laughs> but it but it syncs when I get home, right? Like it connects to the Wi-Fi in my house. Oh, it house. connects
1: to Wi-Fi, right? Okay, right. I thought that it was just like completely offline.
0: No, it's not completely offline. It just it knows the Wi-Fi in my house. And uh, it also knows the the Wi-Fi at my co-working space. So there are two places where it can connect and synchronize. But yeah, so I have notes. I have OmniFocus so that if there's a couple things that pop into my mind, I can just jot them down. I have music on there, so I have something to listen to. And I have my usual few little places where I keep uh, documents as well, just for, again, so I can add something to it if something pops into my mind. And then I have my two health-related things, which is my exercise app and my food tracking app. So those are the things that I thought, I want a device with me all the time where I can access these things to either add to a list or to record the food that I'm eating or to make a note of the exercises that I've done, or I want to be able to listen to music somewhere. But I don't want to have the whole world be able to reach me. And so what I have done for the past 10 days, is that when I get up in the morning, I take this iPhone 6 with me out to do my normal routine, which is I go out, I go to my co-working space early before anybody's there, I write for a little while, and then I go to the gym after that, and then I come home for lunch. Like, that's the first half of my day. And I spend that whole part of the day just totally disconnected from the outside world. In a Ugh. real physical way. Great, that makes me
1: feel uncomfortable. <laughs> well, yeah, why does that make you feel uncomfortable? I can't imagine being completely disconnected. It's weirdly liberating. Like I would be constantly worried that people were trying to get in touch with me about something.
0: Yeah, they might be. I don't know. I don't like
1: that. I don't like that feeling.
0: <laughs> I I don't know. I find it I find it remarkably liberating in a way. And I did the same thing with the iPad that I write with in the morning, which is, again, taking off instant message, taking off email, taking off Slack. I took off all of these things, and so I have this iPad where really the only stuff that I can do on it is directly related to what I think are the core unique things that I need to do to keep my business moving forward, which is primarily writing scripts like that's what i need to be doing and so that ipad is almost useless for anything else and the phone that i have brought with me is totally useless for anything else and so then i just go into the co-working space i actually removed the spare laptop that i had there so it's like i don't even have a laptop in a cubby to think oh maybe i'll just check something on my laptop it's like nope there's nothing here for you except these devices that only do these very limited things
1: right can we just put a pin in that for one second? Sure. Because I was going to say, one of the reasons that I think I can't do this in the way that you can is the way that our businesses are different. Oh, yeah. Like,
0: well, this is it. You work with people. That's your problem, yeah, Mike. People rely people. on me
1: to do things for them, which is fine. I actually quite like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the the reason that we couldn't do this is your business primarily is quite solo. Intentionally, very intentionally. Yeah, you and Brady have worked on to get something together. Me and you work on something together. But we're not so reliant on each other except for in certain times. Right. right?
0: And from my perspective, those interactions, like talking to you, talking to Brady, and then more broadly, so like some other projects I'm working on, like people I talk to related to those, or uh, as we were discussing before the show, like talking to my accountants or talking to lawyers or talking to any of these people... From my perspective, all of this stuff can wait until I am potentially less effective, which is in the afternoons. And that's the way I the why I've set it up like this. Is like there's very few people who need me for anything first thing in the morning, but then Later in the day, I can be open to interacting with people, but I'm trying to preserve like when I am most effective in the mornings. But yes, this would be this would be a disaster for someone who, say, ran a podcasting network in which many people are constantly trying to reach him all the time.
1: Yeah. And also, uh, I have a website that is under my control Mm -hmm. that can explode.
0: Yeah. At any moment, it can explode. One of the times when you and I were hanging out in person, it exploded while we were having lunch.
1: That was a very sad day for you. That was the most <laughs> catastrophic explosion that there has ever been. Yeah. You look stressed. You look pretty stressed about it. <laughs> well, part of the problem, if we, can, if we can kind of pull back the veil a moment, was what made that much worse, was this was the exact day where I was trying to convince you to do this show.
0: Yeah, I can understand from your perspective that it might have been less than an ideal scenario mm-hmm. where you're trying to pitch me on I should do a podcast with Relay, and then at the same time, you're looking at your phone constantly because Relay was melting down before
1: your eyes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was, uh <laughs> That was a very stressful afternoon. I imagine it was. So that's why I I don't feel like I could could necessarily do that. And and it's one of the reasons why um I will always get like local sims when I travel. Mm-hmm. Um I mean Stephen's really good at taking care of stuff like that when I'm away and and vice versa, but if something requires my attention, I need to be able to to deal with it, even if it's just saying a yes or a no to something.
0: Yeah, this is the thing that happens when you are running the business or the person at the top is you just need to give an approval to a thing. And and again, even as a one person business, like I'm aware of that that moment where like you are the guy at the top of the pyramid and someone just needs a go, no go to allow them to to
1: move forward. But one of the bigger things for you, though, is you don't have any control over the majority of the platforms that you're a part of. So it's kind of not really your responsibility to take care of some of that stuff.
0: Right. If YouTube goes down, all I'm thinking is like, well, someone somewhere is getting fired. (laughs) It's not my problem. And I'll just wait until this goes back
1: up. Today's episode is also brought to you by Hover. My favorite place, the only place that I would go to buy domain names. We've all been in this situation. You have an idea for a new project, a new website that you want to launch. The first thing that you're going to need is a domain name, right? Because that's where people come to find your stuff you're going to think of a name for the business or the company and then you want to check if the domain is available it's an incredibly important part of the process because if you choose to call your company acmeco but acmeco.com is not available or even acme.co you could get both of those at Hover if you liked if they were available of course then you would want to go and search for those you want to go buy those and set it all up if it's not available then you need to go back to the drawing board. But Hover's really good at all of this. You can type in keywords, you can type in phrases that you're looking for. They'll suggest those that are available. And if they're not, they'll make some suggestions of some other domains that might be. So they might give you some variations on the names and they will show you all of the TLDs that they have. So you might not be able to get the .com, but you might be able to get the .me or the .plumbing or the .academy or the .diamond or the .limo or the .fish. No matter what it is you want, they're gonna have it. Hover have over two hundred different TLD options. So Those dot somethings, They're a TLD, and Hover have tons of them. They have great prices as well. Their .com domains start at twelve ninety nine, and all of Hover's domains include Whois privacy, where it's available on that domain, because Hover believe that you shouldn't have to pay to keep your private information. Private. Who is privacy? Make sure that your personal information, your address, your contact details, they're going to be kept hidden. And Hover will give that to you for free. Hover have fantastic customer support. They have a no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support policy. They have great email support too and great guides on their website. And Hover have just brought about a new feature that I really love called Hover Connect. This makes it super easy to connect that new domain that you've bought with your website. They support a bunch of different services like Squarespace, Tumblr, Shopify, and so many more. So you just go to your domain admin panel, you select which service you want to use and Hov will automatically amend all of your DNS records for you so there's no more copying and pasting tricky strings of text to get your domain set up it's time for you to go to hover.com and try them out whether you're buying a new domain or you want to maybe transfer one of your existing domains to them just because their experience is way better and you want to use the code hipster at checkout and you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for this show so that's hipster at checkout and then you'll always think of me when you buy your next domain thank you so much to hover for their support of this show but anyway, I want to talk about this these magical devices that you have, right? So you have an iPhone and an iPad, which are not your normal iPhone and iPads, which are now the devices that you're using. And they are pretty much shut off from the world, right? It's, it's yeah, kind that's of, right. The, the, to kind of recap that. And yeah. they have very limited applications on them for this reason. Mm-hmm. But these devices are not completely turned off from the internet yeah. and the temptation of downloading the apps that you want. So how do you deal with that?
0: Broadly speaking, what's what's happened over the past 10 days is that I have enabled restrictions on my own devices with a password that I know. But on, on this is one of the reasons why I like working with iOS devices is in some ways it's much easier to do certain things than it is with your computer. And so actually I find locking down an iPad is way simpler than trying to lock down a computer. And so you can go into the restrictions area and there's just tons of stuff that you can turn on and off and settings on on your phone there. Like there's actually actually some things that are quite useful in there. Here's a little pro tip for anyone who uses Apple Music, by the way. You can go into restrictions and you can disable uh, whatever the hell that thing is, the Apple Connect, you know, the thing where it's like Twitter for musicians, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. If you disable Apple Connect in Apple Music, that little icon goes away and they replace it with the vastly more useful icon for your music playlists. But yeah, so anyway, I set up all of these restrictions for myself. And so here's the thing. The long-term plan is that it was supposed to happen last weekend, but actually it's going to happen this weekend, is that I have been collecting all of my various devices and my wife knows something's up because she's like, what's this pile of iPads doing here? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, you're going to be involved in this later. She goes, oh, okay. But... <laughs> 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 What I'm eventually going to do is, uh, and I think it should happen this weekend, is I'm going to have my wife change the restrictions passcode on my devices.
1: That's it. Because this is what I did. Adina changed Mm -hmm. the password. She kept it in one password. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. I was going to log back into Twitter.
0: Right. Yeah, so the thing is, I I have been actually quite impressed with myself. About my own ability to not cheat on this, Hmm. that the restrictions, having my own restrictions passcode is enough of a barrier that I, like, whenever I'm tempted to do something, you do something from muscle memory, for example. Like, I have definitely, definitely caught myself a couple of times uh, on the computer, for example, going to type in Twitter, like, right at the beginning. And then the computer goes, we can't load this page because you edit it in the uh, the host file. It's like, oh right, yeah, I'm doing a thing where I'm not doing this, of course. You idiot, right? <laughs> Get back to whatever you're doing. Um, so I have I have resisted so far the temptation to change it myself. But I think it's much better if you even remove that option. Like just take away even the possibility of you doing this thing. And that's why like there's no SIM card in my phone. When you're walking around, you're not going to be able to even try to do any of this stuff. You just don't have the option. And I find that that is even more mentally freeing. So I am almost certainly going to do the same thing where where my wife is going to have passcode. She's going to put it in 1Password. I can access her one password, like just in case she dies or something during the middle of this. Like I don't want to find myself with no administrative password to any of the devices that I use because she got hit by a bus.
1: Like, you know, you have to you have to plan for these things. Yeah, that would really be the worst thing in this scenario, right? It wouldn't be the worst, but it would be pretty bad. Because <laughs> you might actually need them in that scenario, right? is something you have to deal with here. Exactly. Like you think I've got paperwork in the
0: house, like on physical pieces of paper? No, I've got everything on encrypted drives all over the place. (laughs) So it's like yeah, I would need that stuff. So the plan is to take away the options in the future. And again, I don't want to go through the details of it, but there is a lot of interesting psychological evidence that points to the fact that when you remove options, just it is easier for brains to focus on different kind of activities, even if those brains are capable of resisting the option anyway. You know, it's, it's the old like, oh, someone doesn't eat chocolate, but if chocolate is in the house, it turns out that this does have a kind of draining effect on the person's mind over time, even mm. if they never eat the chocolate. Because some part of their brain is constantly running a loop, which is like, don't eat the chocolate, don't eat the chocolate, don't eat the chocolate. And you just remove that if you take it away. So that that's the ultimate plan. It's just taken longer for me to set up than intended because I do have quite a complicated setup with various devices that i want to use in in different ways and also as i mentioned before this difficulty of i can't cut out everything entirely like if i really was just cutting everything out this would be simpler but i'm trying to figure out like where can i get access to some things when i need them so i think i've mostly sorted that out and, and i'm going to turn over the keys shortly for the remainder of the month
1: so then, what will your device setup be? Will it? You, will all of your devices be in this situation then, where they're all cut off? The plan is that
0: I have an offline phone, which is this companion device for the morning, largely for being able to jot down notes and go to the gym. Right, I need something there to help me digitally with that stuff, and an online phone which is for the rest of the day so that normal people can contact me and I can try to reply in a somewhat reasonable manner. And I'm doing the same thing for my iPads. I'm going to have an offline iPad that is primarily about creation and then I've set up uh, a second iPad which is about administrative work. So uh, I will have email on that iPad, I will have Slack on that iPad, I will be open to the world on that, and so I will be able to switch between these two things. And just to keep things simple, the computer that I'm talking to you on right now, because it's much harder to lock down computers... I'm having the computer set up as an administrative stroke podcast machine so the laptop that i'm in front of i record my podcasts on i'll edit podcasts on i will do animations on this and i will also have email available and slack and instant message and all of that kind of stuff but i actually don't spend a whole lot of creative time aside from animation working on the computer and i'm almost always somewhere else when i'm writing like i go out to my co-working space or i am out somewhere at a cafe writing so I am just naturally physically separated from like the administration machine. That's that's the idea here.
1: And so you've also removed the ability to access certain websites as well, right?
0: Yeah, on my computer, I've uh, locked down Twitter, Hacker News, and Reddit. Those are, are not accessible. And even on the administration iPad, it's the same thing. Although I have to say, Apple's ability to block websites on your ios device is the one thing that is absolutely terrible about it i've been playing around with it they have this they have this filter setting that you can put on which is okay so if you want to ban a specific website you have to turn on this adult website filter like you're handing an ipad to a kid right and then you can specify like okay it will automatically try to filter adult content and then you can specify okay also block twitter reddit and hacker news but it's using some dumb algorithm to figure out what adult content is. So on the the couple times I've been trying to research stuff, it's like I can't figure out what it's using to block various pages, but I'll be trying to hit a page that's like at the New York Public Library. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, this is adult content. It's like, okay, obviously there's a word on this page that is in your filter and you're not allowing it through. So it's not as great of experience on iOS. I would love, where someone to make it, a content blocker for iOS that allowed you to put in a password that would restrict certain websites. Surely you can do that with the new system. That'd be my guess, right? That you could create a, a custom content blocker to block certain websites, but that also requires a password to open up the content blocker. I think someone should do that. One blocker already lets you block websites in
1: particular. You should add a password.
0: Anyway, that's a side thought.
1: You see, you can set it up, but you just can't secure it.
0: Right. like like I, What I would like to be able to do is be able to tell one blocker the thing that I use. Block all of the ads, all the usual stuff. Block Reddit, Twitter, Hacker News, which it can already do. But then I would like to be able to say to one blocker, don't change any of these settings unless someone puts in the magic passcode and then have my wife select a magic passcode. That would be the, the preferred thing. But I don't know of any content blockers that do that right now.
1: One of the things that you called out that you're using is, a, is an application called Buffer. Mm-hmm. And you're using this to post stuff to places. And I've heard of this app before, but I've never really paid any attention to it. Oh, you have to use Buffer. Even if you're not doing okay. this crazy
0: thing that I'm doing, Buffer is super useful.
1: I need you to tell me why then. Okay.
0: This isn't an ad or anything. I just, I just like the service. Sure. Buffer is this service that allows you to schedule tweets. Like that's, that's one of their primary little selling points. So there are, there are circumstances, say when you want to promote something, where you want to set up the tweet in advance that's going to promote the thing, but you want it to auto-publish at a certain time. And so you give Buffer your Twitter logon credentials and then you can go to Buffer, write out the tweet and say, post this tomorrow at 5.30. And so this is is not just Twitter as well. It's also used for a bunch of other services. I think it works with Facebook and I think it works with Google+, Plus, but no one will see anything you post on Google+, Plus because it is a ghost town. Sorry, Google, you should have made something better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it will work with Google Plus for anybody who, you know, cares about that kind of thing. That's its primary selling feature is the scheduling thing. What I'm using it for at the moment is when I post a podcast goes up or if a video goes up or if an article goes up, I'm going to use Buffer to post that announcement to my Twitter account. And this allows me to do that without actually logging into Twitter and seeing, ooh, what's on my timeline? Ooh, who's at messaged me? What about the people I follow? Has any one of them messaged me? Like, I don't want to see any of that stuff. So Buffer is allowed on my computer systems to allow me to interact with Twitter indirectly. And actually, I thought I was only going to use it to promote stuff, but it it, uh, came up quite usefully when uh, last night or two nights ago... Brady and I were discussing on Hello Internet the Future flag referendum. And we decided on the deadline for that. And I thought, you know what? This is a thing I should post on Twitter to let people know. And so I could just use Buffer. I could open that up, post when the deadline was for the flag referendum, hit click, and Buffer posted it just a couple minutes later. So it's a way of being able to access the people who follow me on Twitter without going to Twitter. That's why I'm using it.
1: One of the things that you mentioned that I thought was quite interesting is that you, when you were talking about getting rid of following YouTube videos, hmm. was that you wanted to stop the kind of pollution of ideas. And also for YouTube, if you're working on a video and you see somebody else has worked on something that you won't can it. And, and this reminds me of an episode of Hello Internet where you were working on a flag video, right? And yeah, Roman Mars made yeah. a flag video and then you canned your flag video. Yeah. <laughs> so there has been a policy change at Grey Industries then
0: well, I mean sort of, i mean this is this is just a thing that I always kind of struggle with because if you make your living in some kind of creative field, you want to make new stuff or you want to do stuff that's from a new angle, and there's this feeling like, oh, hacks just look at what's popular and copy it like that's what a hack is, and that someone who's trying to make something new is focusing on making the new thing, but over the past several years it feels okay the thing i'm about to say might not be true but i'm saying what what how it feels to me is that there's just a larger and larger number of people who are doing interesting educational content of some sort on the internet now i say that might not actually be the reality because what might be the reality is what i think has actually happened which is that i have over time curated a list of people who do interesting things that i am interested in in this field Because naturally, since I work in the educational video field, I am interested in people who produce interesting educational content. And I think that there's a way in which people who do this kind of work have a sense for what can be popular on the internet, what will people be interested in. When you look at topics that other people might just not find that interesting. Okay, so one of the funny things that happens all the time if, if you say make popular educational content is people constantly pitch ideas to you right so you just meet people in real life or just on the internet people are like oh you should do a video about this you should do a video
1: about this yeah i do this to you i did it to you like three days ago <laughs> i think did. i did it to you, you, did. you before we started this show today
0: <laughs> yeah I well, think you did
1: um and
0: i've talked to other people who work in this field and everyone kind of agrees that there's this sense in which you can just tell when a topic is not going to be interesting and when it is. And you don't know what, like, why that is, but there is like a skill to learning, like, what can be an interesting thing. And it has very, very little to do with how interesting it sounds when you first hear the idea, but, like, there's something else about it. So there are many topics which will sound interesting on first pitch, but are actually just deathly boring to try to do. And vice versa. The best ones are the ones that seem like they're not interesting at all, but that you can you can make really interesting. But so, since there's a lot of people working in this field, I think there are a lot of people I have ended up following who have antennae that are similarly tuned to the world as I do. And so what I'm trying to do is be less aware of what other people are doing, because I think it's very natural that Other people are going to do the same topics that I want to do because our antenna are all tuned to similar frequencies. Like we notice something interesting or an idea comes across our mind and like we will agree like, yes, this is an interesting topic to do. And it's that that flag episode. I think I sound particularly dejected because I had worked quite a
1: lot on that video. (laughs) I was distraught listening to it because I could just feel this like (laughs) complete consuming sadness i don't know if it was that bad oh well i'm i'm maybe more sensitive to it as somebody who also makes stuff yeah right so like i I was maybe like projecting things that i'd done right Mm -hmm. that was like a similar kind of thing but like i could feel like you'd gone through something prior to this happening
0: yeah but so since that has happened the the video was the biggest thing that, that would ever have occurred but actually since that showed air like a similar thing happened again where it's like oh, i was working on something and i was talking to somebody else and very naturally like we had both identified an interesting thing in a topic like i i really do think that there is something objective to be found in certain topics and some people can see that and so it's just very very natural that other people are going to work on similar things. Now, I am the one who is always trying to tell myself, like, nobody owns the facts. Like, I wasn't the first person to do a UK video. People will do videos on the UK after me. And so I shouldn't be thinking, like, oh, I should always make something new that that someone else hasn't done. But I think really in the last year, I've, I've come to this, this conclusion that, like, looking at my list of topics, like and, and this, I, when I mean the list of topics, I mean the big list of topics that I have, the... 200 plus potential topics that I collect information on. I don't think there's a single one in there anymore that someone somewhere hasn't done in either video form or on a podcast. And so this is just a thing that I need to get over. of like Stop intensely following what other people are producing and just, in a crazy way, act like, I am the only educational channel in the world, right? And I'm going to assume that nobody has seen anything that anybody else has done. And I'm going to try to just make videos that I am interested in making. And it doesn't matter if somebody else has done a video on that topic. So that that's one of the things that I'm trying to, to do. But it, it connects into the, like, the overwhelm thing that I was talking about in the beginning because it led to this feeling of, like, God, I want to race through and try to get all of these videos out into the world before anybody else gets them done. And then I ended up working on like a lot of videos simultaneously because I felt like, oh, I wanted to get all of them out into the world quickly. But working on many, many videos all at once to try to get them out faster results in nothing but slower progress on any of the individual videos. It's like, okay, this is not, this doesn't work at all. (laughs) Like I'm working on, or before the, I put the video up, I was looking at the, the, projects that were in some state of activeness and it's like i'm trying to work on 20 videos at once this is just crazy like i'll i'll take a whole year if i'm trying to work on 20 videos at once this is ridiculous like i just i absolutely have to cut this down and just be like okay look i'm picking these two videos and i'm just going to work on them until they're uploaded and if somebody beats me to it okay I'm still going to finish this video. Maybe, maybe I'll hold on to it and publish it like a couple months later. I know if I happen to know, but for the most part, I'm just going to try to avoid like what are other people working on and just focus on my own things.
1: And what sort of changes do you think that this is going to make then? do you? Because I mean, look, I say the thing that you hear every day, or well, that you did hear every day. Uh, <laughs> your pace of videos has slowed down a lot maybe in the last year
0: oh yeah oh yeah this is all coming out of me being unhappy with my video release schedule in the last six months in particular so since the summer like i have not been happy about the number of videos that i have gotten out so i i like i have not been happy about it and i was particularly irritated about it when there was one that was supposed to be for october but it just didn't work out that i was going to get it finished in time and part of the reason that it didn't get finished in time in october is that my brain was fragmented between a whole bunch of scripts. So I had this idea of like oh there's one video that I definitely want for October, but I found myself continually bouncing back and forth between a bunch of videos. And and like as a one person production house, it's just not possible, right? I cannot be working on that many things simultaneously. It just it just it's too slow. Like nothing nothing's going to happen there.
1: So that's the other side of this coin then, isn't it? That you haven't really spoken about so much, is that yeah you're you're dialing down from your social interactions, but you're also trying to be more focused in your work.
0: Yeah, I think a number of people took the dialing down uh, title to mean that I was dialing down the amount of work that I am doing, and that's not actually the that's not actually my goal at all.
1: You'd be going in reverse at a certain point, Gray. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny when people just start deleting videos from YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: that's, that's the natural that's the natural progression. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- it is not it is not about reducing the output, but I here's the thing: I don't know if I'm right about this, but I think that this slow creep up of input in my life over the past maybe two years and really reaching some kind of threshold in the last year. I think that the increase in that input is related to this desire to work on a large number of things simultaneously. I may be wrong about that. It wouldn't be the first time that I have incorrectly evaluated the process in my own brain. But I think they're connected. That when I am receiving a lot of information it constantly makes me want to bounce to a different video topic like i catch myself thinking this a lot where it's like you know what no this is the video now that i should be working on to get out as soon as possible no this is the one i know that one that you were working on before no that's the one like bounce back bounce back bounce back
1: i would be inclined to agree with this hypothesis
0: yeah so here, here's the thing you were you said before That you had this feeling, and this is where we're a little bit different, but you had this feeling that the way that you were on Twitter was allowing external entities to affect your internal emotional state. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that way. Um, I've always been relatively... You have no emotion.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was trying to think of a way to phrase this. It's like, <laughs> the reason you can't affect something that doesn't exist. Yeah. It's a bit like,
0: <laughs> like people tell me that my videos suck or that they, they don't like the way that I talk in my videos or that they hate my podcasts. Or like, I get this kind of feedback all the time and I just feel like, okay, man, you know, whatever. I, I just I feel that my internal emotional state is not easily moved by people I don't know. Right? That's that's, But that's just like a wiring difference, right? If I was wired differently, I wouldn't feel that way. However, I think my version of this is that listening to lots of podcasts that are about interesting educational things or reading lots of articles on various topics and jumping between discussion threads, arguing about interesting debates, I think that has the effect of shifting not my internal emotional state but my internal focus state like it keeps like if if my mind is 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 casting a beam of light on the thing that i am currently working on all of these inputs keep knocking the light to somewhere else and so the light itself hasn't changed in brightness but it just keeps moving from spot to spot more than it should now I may be wrong about this, but this is one of the reasons why I'm trying this project. This is this is one of the reasons this is happening.
1: I am inclined to agree with that notion because I think I think what it is is you are receiving too much inspiration. Yeah. I think that's that's the problem. There, you, as you're taking in all this, this stuff, more and more things are informing new ideas of things to work on. Yeah. So it, it's the more the, more and more stuff that you consume the more ideas you have and that's why you end up with like 40 scripts on the go
0: yeah yeah that may very well be the case and at the very least like when I think about at some point I'm going to be dialing back up the inputs I'm already trying to think about what what ways of dialing up would be good and what ways of dialing up would be bad And I think probably the clearest conclusion that I have come to is that I should, just like I don't watch YouTube videos in the educational field and I haven't for a long time and I think that that's a good decision, like that that has definitely been a good decision, I think the next step of that is with podcasts that this huge collection of educational podcasts on interesting topics, I think I have to get rid of all of them. Oh, that,
1: okay. Yeah, definitely.
0: Right? That when I go back to saying, where do I want podcasts in my life? You know, what kind of podcast do I want to listen to? I have loved, I will always love spoken word in all of its forms. This is just something that I really like. I'm not going to remove this from my life because it's a thing that I like. But this one genre, I think because of my field of work, I think this genre has to go
1: if you yeah i'm surprised that you listen to shows like that if you'd identified that you didn't want to watch youtube videos of this kind of topic a natural extension of that would be podcasts where they do where they explain things
0: yeah but even like on this show a few a uh, few episodes ago we did the thing we were talking about that planet money episode and uh, well, you know, where <laughs> they fire everyone and then fire the person who fired everyone. Yeah, just fire everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> oh, God, it was terrible. Um, but that's that's a show that I think is the kind of thing that I felt has has slipped into my life over the past years without me noticing. Because Planet Money felt like something, oh, this is covering a bunch of interesting topics, is not really directly in the the field of things that I do. It's sort of adjacent to it. But I think a show like Planet Money is something that I should not listen to anymore. I don't think it's, it's good. I think it's too close in its own way to what I do. So it shows like that that I, I will not be bringing back into... Uh, into my focus whenever it is that I decide to actually uh, dial things back up, which might not be for a while. I was actually thinking today, it's very likely I might end up extending this for another month. Like I might do this until the end of the year.
1: But you're only 10 days in. though.
0: Well, this is why I'm not committing to this now. It's like, yeah, because it's only November 12th. But when I was thinking this morning about it to try to talk about it for the show, in some ways I feel like, oh, okay, I cut all these things out of my life and it has had vastly less of an effect than i first would imagine like my mornings are definitely better with the offline phone and the offline ipad so
1: this is exactly how i felt right like i was like oh i was expecting to feel really desperate but i actually feel just way better (laughs) which is uh i guess it's good because now you know that the reason you're doing it is a good reason but it's like well this isn't this isn't good this isn't the outcome this is too simple like what does this mean that i never go back like that's that's that was the problem that that i was finding myself in was like well Mm -hmm. i can't stay away because there are too many things tied to this that are important so i wanted to feel at least a little bad but i didn't and and maybe if i would have done a month it would have the toll would have been a lot more Mm -hmm. um than just a week uh But what I've noticed now is I've just, as I said, I've learned some important things and I'm making a lot of changes and and I'm feeling the effect of those changes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in in a positive way. Um, Like my morning routine of checking this kind of stuff is like half the time that it used to be, Mm -hmm. right? That's great. That's that's kind of what I was hoping to get out of this. Um, But I feel like there's going to have to be a point where you bring some of this stuff back in and two months feels like a really long time
0: doesn't it though it feels like a really long time that's why i'm not at all saying that i will do this
1: i'm surprised a month hmm. right like a
0: month is a long time see i don't think i don't think it really is and here, here's my reasoning on this i think a lot of this stuff is like has to do with brain wiring for for comparison for comparison the the other like big change in my life and the one thing that has definitely since September slowed down the amount of work that I'm doing is I've made massive changes in my diet. Uh, so I've been trying to lose weight. And the the transition from the way that I used to eat to the way that I currently eat has been a, a hard one that has taken a lot of energy out of me. And that is largely about cutting down carbohydrates to basically nothing uh, as much as possible. And so... This is my frame of reference is thinking about doing that. And I feel like the effects of that were not really clear un- until like six weeks into it. Where the, like the first few weeks were miserable. Like, by the way, cutting out carbohydrates way, way harder than cutting out Reddit or Twitter or Hacker News. Like, I just <laughs> feel like it's that has actually been quite astounding to me to realize this. Because it's like, oh, how on earth is that hard? Like, I like Reddit and Twitter and Hacker News way more than I like bread, (laughs) right? But but it turns out that bread is wired in at a more fundamental level of the brain. It's, It's like carbohydrates are written in the silicon of brain. And then something like interest in reddit and twitter are written in software like it's just much easier it's much easier to change um yes anyway this slight side tangent but i would not have expected the relative difficulty of those things to be the way they were i would have thought they'd be exactly reversed well
1: i don't know like maybe the internet doesn't show up in a place that you don't expect where like (laughs) carbohydrates do you know
0: yeah that's that's definitely true but it's it, it it has been surprising to me the number of times I have just simply failed about not eating carbohydrates. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. My body was on autopilot when I wasn't paying attention. And like now I'm on the all carb diet, like sitting here eating this baguette. Like I don't understand how this occurred. <laughs> where, where did this
1: guy come from?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like I just
1: don't understand.
0: Um, whereas with the Reddit stuff, it, it just doesn't happen in quite the same way. But I guess what I'm trying to say about this is having done the dramatically reduced carbohydrates, I feel like I only really understand what that meant after having done it for quite a while. And I feel like there might be something similar here with cutting down inputs into my life. That this first week has felt relatively easy and relatively painless to quite a surprising degree. The main thing that's different is like, oh, okay, I feel much happier limiting myself to two scripts that I'm working on in the mornings. Like, this is great. I've made a lot of progress on these things. I'm pretty happy about this. And then the rest of my day just kind of feels normal. Like, I'm reading more fiction than I used to. But things just mostly seem the same. I don't feel like there's been a big dramatic difference. But I suspect that maybe there's there's something going on that's more fundamental because when i say i i I haven't noticed a big difference it also means that like this feeling of overwhelm is still kind of here
1: Mm -mm.
0: right like that's that's one of the things that hasn't changed it does feel a little bit different like i feel better about the work that i'm doing but the overwhelm is there a little bit my mental metaphor for this i was trying to be like I i need a comparison my mental metaphor is that it might be like if you imagine there's a big lake with lots of boats that are constantly stirring up the lake and if those boats were the input, I have removed all of the boats, and I'm standing on the shore thirty seconds after the boats have been removed, saying, "Why is this water still so choppy? Right? <laughs> why is it still so murky in the in the water?" It's like it takes a while to settle down, buddy. Okay. And like maybe a week is just too short of a time period to actually see the results of what it is that I am doing. And so that's that's one of the reasons why, like a weekend, I'm thinking maybe two months right maybe i can push this until the end of the year but i don't know maybe maybe at the end of november i'll 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 feel like oh i have accomplished the thing that i'm trying to
1: accomplish but i don't know i don't know man i mean i assume that the thing that you've noticed that is the worst is podcasts right i assume you're really missing those right that's the podcast man they're great
0: they are they are great and that is by far and away the thing that i notice the absence of the most okay and even even my wife has commented on it that I mean, my, my wife and I've been married for quite a while, like we've known each other for like a decade at this point. And for as long as she has ever known me, I have almost always had a pair of headphones either in my ears or around my neck. And she has commented like, it's weird to see you come home from work and you don't enter with the headphones on and then like take them off to talk to me. Or just being around the house and having the headphones on. So it's it's definitely different to not have that. And that, that has been one of the, the most noticeable differences. And it is a little weird. Like, I, I actually, we uh, saw each other in London the other day. And this was more towards the start of this project. But I had actually left the house without any headphones at all. I had just totally forgotten to grab them. Because I'm not used to grabbing my headphones to be able to listen to music. Because I was so used to just, well, there's always headphones around my neck. Why do I need to grab them? And so I found myself out in London for the whole day. It's like, I have no headphones. I don't know if I have been anywhere in the past 20 years without headphones at hand. It was just a very, very strange day and a strange experience.
1: I remember being horrified at this notion. (laughs) yeah I can't I can't imagine it's same right maybe yeah for maybe maybe the last 10 years like Mm -hmm. I go everywhere with earphones or headphones like if I went out for the day and forgot them I would go buy some
0: yeah I, I, I can be pretty sure that were I not doing this project and had I discovered myself in central London without headphones I would have just bought a cheap pair of headphones for the day yeah I almost certainly would
1: have done that on the whole, it seems like everything's going really well, which there's just a part of me that just refuses to believe that. Like, there must be things in, in that are hurting. What do you mean by things that are, are hurting, though? This whole process, it sounds like it's perfect and that you're, everything's going really well. Like, there must be some parts of your working life or just your life in general that are just more difficult in a way that is frustrating, surely.
0: I mean, when you say everything is going fine, I I do sort of agree with that in the sense that there haven't been major problems. But like I said before, it's not like, oh, I feel like all of my feeling of overwhelm has just been completely lifted. I, I feel kind of remarkably the same as I did a week ago. And that's why I'm also feeling that I might want to extend this for longer. But it may very well be that the next time we record with each other in two weeks, I'm going to be tearing at the walls, right, with my bare hands thinking oh man like I've just been isolated too long like I gotta get the hell out of here so future me may be looking back at current me and thinking he wanted to more than double this like is he a crazy person no we're not Ooh. doing this until the end of
1: the year like no way that's not gonna happen Well, that that was one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this today in such a setting up kind of way mm-hmm. because I mean with the way that you're thinking now we could be talking about this for the next four episodes <laughs> how are you doing gray still good who are you again yeah it's going to be
0: more and more like a phone call with a hermit that's what it's going to be like
1: (laughs) if you do this for two two months i'm like how do you come back from this
0: i don't know we'll have to find out in the future
1: oh by the way i have bought that cabin in the woods just (laughs) just so you know
0: yeah you never you never know i might go uh what was what was the what was the guy who like pulled back from the internet for a little while and then really did just like completely leave the internet he wrote an article about it i don't know months and months ago you know who i'm talking about i do
1: he was at the he was at the verge um, yeah
0: he was like oh i'm gonna try not going on the internet for a little while and then six months later he literally did write an article saying something like oh i've completely left the internet now i'm going to go live in the woods
1: paul miller he didn't use the internet for a year and then then quit his job at the verge when he came (laughs) back and i don't i don't really know what he does now but it's nothing internet based a year is
0: not something I'm I'm ready to pre-commit to. That's too much. Well,
1: it keeps going up a month at a time. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe. The reason why I was okay talking with this on the show is that this is a very difficult thing to try to talk about. To talk about some of the internal stuff in your own work and in your own mind, and it's doubly difficult when you work publicly on the internet, right? In in a in a stage where everyone can see. But I'm I'm hoping. The reason why I'm okay talking about it though is I think it is it is valuable to hear someone identifying a problem and attempting to fix it. All right? The, the details might not apply exactly to somebody else, but I really think that this is this is like an important life skill for people to have is to recognize that you are the solutionator for your own problems. Right, that if if you recognize that there's something that is going wrong, you need to be the one who figures out the way to fix it. And it might like it might not be obvious the way to do it. You might try stuff that is totally wrong. And like like I said uh, during that conversation, just a few episodes ago, I tried the totally wrong way to fix a problem that I was sort of aware of, which was by adding email onto my phone, which is the exact opposite of the thing that I think I should be doing. But I think it's it's just useful to hear someone, talking out loud about ways that they are attempting to fix a problem because that's a that's that's how you make your life better there's no other way to make your life better
1: today's episode is also brought to you by fracture the company that will take your favorite images and print them directly on to glass for you to proudly display or give as gifts The team over at Fracture really wanted me to say a huge thank you to all of you who've been giving Fracture a chance to print your favorite photos. They do these all by hand in their factory in Gainesville, Florida. They check them all. You just upload your photo to FractureMe.com and they will print your favorite image onto a piece of glass with a lovely piece of foam on the back. So you can very easily hang it at home or even just display it on your desk. Now, last time, Gray mentioned the idea of printing your favorite video game levels or achievements and stuff like that and putting those on the wall. So I was having a think, like, what's something else that you could maybe display that you really love at home? And I thought, what about movie posters? So you could maybe take your favorite movie posters or something like that and you could upload them to Fracture and you'd be able to get them printed and displayed at home. How great would that look to have maybe in your movie room all these great images of your favorite movies or your favorite DVD covers all printed out and displayed at home i love the thought of that and fractures look so awesome when you get them printed you're just gonna love them and they're really great to give as gifts and with the holidays coming up fracture really wanted me to mention that if you're considering giving a fracture as a gift this holiday you should start making plans now as their queue gets really filled up with these fantastic holiday orders because they do make great gifts so it's time to rescue those photos that are hidden away on your devices and pick a few to have on show head over to fractureme.com to learn more and get started and you can use the code cortex this will get you 15 percent off your first order and show your support for this show thank you so much to fracture for supporting relay fm and if you do get fractures printed send them in especially if they're of your video games or your movie posters because we'd love to see you are doing that thank you so much to fracture for their support of this show Let's talk about something fun, Mike. Yes, about that? Um, We both spent an obscene amount of money in the last couple of days on just really big screens. Are they just really big screens? I don't know, Mike. Well, right now it's just a really big screen because I haven't got any of the other stuff.
0: Yeah, so we have both purchased iPad Pros Mm -hmm. and we went out on the first day they were available for sale to purchase them. Now, I just want to be really clear about something, listener. We convinced ourselves that the reason we were doing this was for you. Because, of course, the thing that everybody would want to know is our first impressions of the iPad Pro. So this was like a little fairy tale that Mike and I were telling ourselves on launch day was... We can't not go out and see if there are iPad Pros to check out. <laughs> we can't not go and see.
1: <laughs> but so basically, what what was happening is we were talking about them. We we weren't ordering. We were wondering if we were going to order online or not. And then Gray tells me that he went and bought one. He's like, "Oh, I got one." I was like, "Oh man!" And then I'm like, "I've got loads of work to do today." And then Gray is just two devils on Eva's shoulder, saying to me like. But what more important work could there be? (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) I can't imagine anything you'd rather do than go out and get an iPad Pro. I I can't imagine anything that you would rather do. (laughs) So I did.
1: I (laughs) went out and bought one. But at the moment, like as we were recording this, there are no accessories in the the stores. So the the Apple Pencil, which is the thing that I think me and you are both most interested in, uh, is not there. And neither is the smart keyboard. And I'm sure that by the next time we we record, we will both have them. Um, so all, so people that don't like listening to uh, us talk about the iPad are going to be really sad because now <laughs> they're going to talk about it now. And then we'll also talk about it when we get the pencil as well.
0: Yeah, so we don't have the accessories. We're going to do some first impressions Again, because we need to write this off as a business expense. And if we talk about it on Cortex, now it is, I guess, uh, I think is how the accountants make this work. But uh, (laughs) I do just want to tell you, Mike, from my perspective, how this came about, that I have the iPad that is in my hands now. So on uh, Wednesday, which was, according to Apple, the day that iPads would be available for pre-sale, and then they made some vague comment about uh, iPad Pros available throughout the rest of the week, right? One of these non-committal things that they always like to do, you know, when they say product launching summer, right? You know, when summer, who knows? So as we discussed in the last segment, I was doing my total normal offline morning, which is that I got up, I went out to my office. I did a bunch of writing and then I went to the gym and then I came home for lunch. And this is the point at which I pick up my online phone now and started talking with Mike and looking online about like, oh, what's going on with the pre-orders? I was, I was remarkably calm about this whole process. Normally I want to like get the pre-order in straight away. What I ended up deciding was I wanted to just take a chance and go into central London and see if they happen to have at an Apple store, just a demo unit to try. Like, I just want to see the iPad Pro in person to get a sense of it. Because just like with so many of these products, you can look at every video of someone holding the object and every video of someone trying something out, but you don't have a good sense of it until you actually get your hands on it. So I thought, okay, I just want to see if they have a demo. So I went into central London, like at around 11.20 or so, I went into an Apple store and I go and I take a look around and I am a sad monkey because there's no iPad Pros visible for sale. I think, oh, this is a shame. I just want, I just wanted to try it. But I thought, okay, well, you know what I'm going to do? Let me just ask one of the sales guys because normally, <laughs> normally I don't like talking to the sales people in stores if I can ever possibly avoid it. But the Apple people, I don't mind because sometimes you can trick them into telling you things that they're not supposed to tell you, uh, which is delightful. Yeah, I did that with the
1: person that I spoke to. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
0: (laughs) What Can you say what secret information you got?
1: I just was, she was just being very nice, but she didn't really seem to, she just seemed very like she wasn't sure of what was in, right? Mm Mm-hmm. She was saying, yeah, we've got the keyboard, and then was like, oh, no, we haven't got the keyboard. She just seemed very unsure about it. So whilst I was waiting for my iPad to be brought out from the back, I was just saying, I was like, when did they arrive then? And she was like, (laughs) oh, they arrived this morning. And I was like, didn't you know that they were coming in? She was like, no, we had no idea. We just opened the boxes, and they were there, and we didn't even know anything about it. And we were like, hang on a minute. These boxes are too big. And it was just like, oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> I just like to ask them stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: it's great to pretend like you're a bit naive sometimes to try to see what you can draw out. I can't go into details, but I did once have someone tell me far more about the store's security policy than they possibly should
1: have. <laughs> well, I I once had somebody tell me like th- that some of the the tables have cash in them. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah yeah I don't, no that's not true that's that's like an urban legend I've seen it man <laughs> but yeah so it's 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 fun to talk to the apple employees and they also I am absolutely convinced if anybody has worked as an apple employee i I, I would love confirmation of this but I don't really need it because I know it's true that they go through some kind of training about how to have great conversation starters with people. Because anytime I buy something in any Apple store, they always have like right on hand some conversation starter to do while you're trying to do the whole like waiting for the credit card transaction to go through. Like I know there's a three ring binder somewhere that lists all of these things and that they they make them memorize a bunch to just start off. But so anyway, this is the perhaps only store in the world which I will walk up to one of the salespeople without any hesitation to ask some things. So I go up to uh, this guy who's just standing on his own. And I say, hey, do you know when the iPad Pros are going to be in the store? And he looks at me and he says, they're in the store right now. I go, oh, yeah? He says, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He really gives me like this real like... You've just come to the right guy kind <laughs> of look. And what I thought he meant was, oh, they must have gotten a shipment. But, you know, they're like he's letting me know a secret that I'm not supposed to know. That like, oh, they're in the back storeroom, room, but they'll be out tomorrow. Right. Like, that's what I think he's going to tell me. But what he actually does is he reaches for that little iPod, um, that little iPod sales terminal that they have. And he says to me, what are you looking for? <laughs> And right now, again, I'm looking around the store. There's not an iPad Pro in sight, but this guy has like this devilish little smile on his face about like, he's going to hook me up. So I literally said to the guy, I feel like we're doing a drug deal right now (laughs) because it just, it felt like it was this secret, this secret thing. Like, am I supposed to get an iPad? Like, I don't I don't quite understand. I don't quite understand what's going on. But so anyway, he's like, oh no, I can get you an iPad Pro. Don't you worry. And so we run through the details of, of what I want. And so he, he taps the little buttons and uh, he's like, okay, hold on, I'll, I'll be right back. And he, you know what? He runs off and he and he gets the iPad Pro and he comes over to me. And then we start doing the like paying for it transaction. But before I'm able to give him my card, this other person comes up and like waves him over. So he steps away from me a little bit. Now I'm looking around, this other person isn't wearing the uniform the guys in the store he's not wearing the security uniform but you know that that feeling you have like this is clearly a person in charge right some people just radiate that aura and so this guy came over and was like oh i wonder who he is like he has no markings on him but he's obviously in charge and so this the sales guy goes over and talks to him for a few seconds and i can't hear what they're saying but this guy's like nodding at me and the salesperson is sort of like confirming yes yes and then they both come walking back to me. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this one tiny bit. And the guy says to me, oh, hi, I'm the manager of this Apple store. And he, and he reaches his hands out to shake my hand. So I shake his hand. I'm like, hi. And then he says, congratulations. You're the first person in London to buy an iPad Pro.
1: No. Yes. <laughs> he says
0: you're the first person in london to buy an ipad pro this is the first store that got the delivery and in our little purchasing (laughs) tracking system you're the first person to buy one and then he says do you mind if we do some publicity photos with you
1: Uh (laughs) uh-oh
0: right I I am not the guy for no. this, right? This is not the thing that I want. But they helped you out. But I said no, right? I oh, said great. no to the guy because all I'm thinking, I was like, man, this is not what I want. I really don't want to be like on one of those photos when Tim Cook is running through the iPad Pro sales numbers at WWDC mm-hmm. in the summer. It's like, I do not want to be this person. And... Like, I don't like this stuff so much that I don't even really like to be near the Apple stores at the opening time for any of their launch products, because at least in central London, they're just media circuses, right? Like, there's cameras everywhere. Uh, At the Covent Garden store in particular, there's very often professional filming equipment that's clearly being used by Apple to, like, film everybody going into the store. So I always stay away from all of these things,
1: right? Right. So what did you say? Did you just say
0: no? I said, oh, I'm really sorry, but I'd, I'd rather not. I'd really rather not. Okay. And 100% to the manager's credit, he didn't push it a single time after that. He okay. wasn't like, oh, well, you know, we'd really love you to do this. But it was a bit of like, like an awkward moment. And it just felt like I really shouldn't be, I shouldn't be saying no in this moment. Like you were clearly waiting around for the first person to do this. Um <laughs> So it's just a little bit awkward. okay but so the story doesn't end here because i want to get the hell out of the store now because this is not my ideal shopping experience i want things to go smooth and normal every time i have a retail yeah. experience currently I want to... <laughs> this
1: is the complete opposite to the type of experience that you have right in so much as now people want to take your photograph <laughs> right. while you're buying right. this product right
0: I was like, okay, I wanna go in, I wanna get a thing, I wanna get the hell out of here. But this is this is not the case. But so anyway, now the manager is still standing there and I'm trying to like divert my attention back to the sales guy about like, let's complete this transaction, shall we? Like let's let's go through this as fast as we possibly can. So I'm so I'm giving him again my card of like let's let's buy this, right? Like can I just get this and get the hell out of here? And of course, because this is the way the universe works, the card that I give the guy oh, no to buy the ipad pro it didn't work right it was it was over the limit and as i have always discovered in life when one card doesn't work it means the other cards on the same account are probably not going to work as well and so i gave the guy a second card that was in my wallet and it was like oh no transaction declined and i was like hey i've just given two cards to this dude And they're both declined. The manager's standing there. And while that's happening, some of the other salespeople have noticed that the manager is standing by me and that there's an iPad Pro on the table. And I tried to like discreetly cover up the box with my jacket. But like I've also not purchased this yet. But like people are clearly noticing. And suddenly there's like four Apple employees all standing around and one of the girls turns to one of the other guys and goes, like, is he the first one who bought the mm-hmm. iPad Pro? And they go, yeah, he is the first one who bought the iPad Pro. And this employee, she starts clapping, right? Like, no, clapping. Great. Now, no, again, no. I totally understand. Why? Like, <laughs> the, like, <No>. under, like <laughs> for any normal person, this would be fine. No, nobody wants to be clapped. <laughs> so this girl's clapping. Which then is obviously drawing the attention of other people in the store. And now I'm standing there as the guy, uh, two credit cards haven't worked. And I'm I'm like, I just want to exit this situation as fast as I can. So fortunately... The third and final card that I have in my wallet, it works. The transaction goes through. Okay, great. I can't wait to get out of here. You know, the sales guy. Sales guy, again, very nice. Like we were doing a little bit of talking about like, what am I going to use it for? Because they have their great little conversation starters. But my focus is on like, complete this. Let's go. So I'm ready to go. I pick up the iPad Pro box, which is huge. And this is the moment where I discover it does not fit in the backpack that I brought with me. Yep. It doesn't fit. And so... I then had to stand there with these Apple Store employees who were all looking at me like wanting to talk about the first Pro, the manager who I had somewhat maybe rudely rejected the the press photos with, and like the girl who was clapping while the main sales guy ran off to get a bag. And then he like was just sort of standing there like, oh God, this is the most uncomfortable shopping experience I have ever had in my entire life. The guy finally comes back with the bag. I could not put the iPad Pro in that bag fast enough to then just scuttle out of the store it was was like could not get out of there any faster and when i was finally finally out and back in the street it was like oh thank god what a relief what a relief
1: that is horrific that whole thing is horrific (laughs) when you told me you had a funny story i thought it was gonna be like oh this person told me something stupid Mm -hmm. that's not really a funny story that's like a it's like a sitcom or like it's like that was written. It's like somebody knew who you like. What I imagine actually happened was the manager calls the guy over. It's like that's CGP Grey over there, right? Like you saw his <laughs> card and then the guy's like, yeah, he's like, great. I know how we're going to do this. <laughs> I've had it in for this guy for a long time.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And he's like, he's getting the girl to clap. Yeah, it's all staged. That was the only thing that would make sense.
1: The guy's pressing a cancellation button on your card every <laughs> yeah, time you exactly. put it in. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, the the thing that I kept thinking throughout that whole interaction was, why me? Right. Why did this have to happen to me? I'm strolling in. It's halfway through the day already. You know, I should not be just by dumb luck, the first guy that's registering in their system to be like everything I have done is to avoid this. Like I would never go into a store right when it opens on product launch day. It's not going to happen but even when I'm just trying to be super casual about it like this, this thing occurs. So anyway, that's how I got my iPad pro.
1: I almost now don't even care what you think about it, (laughs) but what do you think about it? (laughs) Why don't you tell me what you think about your iPad pro? I've been talking too much. My thoughts are like really complex and I haven't fully formed an opinion yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, reminder
0: for people, these are first impressions, so we may very well change our thoughts later on.
1: It's really big. Mm -hmm. Like, it's obscenely big. Like, it's crazy. When I
0: first opened it, I had that box there. And mentally, in my mind, I was thinking, God, this box is huge. But But I was thinking, okay, well, obviously, though, the iPad Pro inside must be smaller because that's how packages work. But then I forgot, no, of course, this is Apple who makes boxes exactly the size of the thing. Mm-hmm. And when I opened the lid, I literally said out loud, holy shit, this thing is big. <laughs> I my brain could not contain the thought just in its head. <laughs> it like this, this needs to be vocalized. It's just way, way bigger than you think it is from any of the videos that you've seen of it.
1: And it also feels way bigger in portrait. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which is obviously it's, it's bigger in every dimension, right? Equally. But it just feels way bigger in portrait than it does in landscape. Um, and I, I don't know why that is, but it does feel that way. The speakers are really amazing. So when I, I was like watching a movie on it, right, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, this is the most iPad iPad.
0: <laughs> oh Yeah, what
1: do you mean by that? Well, like everything that makes an iPad good, it's got all of it more than any other iPad has had before right mm-hmm. so like the speakers are really great so music and movies sound really awesome on it the screen's really huge so the movies naturally will look better on it like so it's like this is very ipad as mm-hmm. as and and i really like that i'm just really struggling with certain parts of it like the software keyboard is great and horrific
0: yeah okay so my thoughts mirror yours in in that not that i think it's the most ipad of ipad but my, i keep thinking This is a computer without the computer like whenever i'm using it it feels like where's the laptop because the only time i have a screen that is this size it's when i'm using my macbook pro and it feels like oh did i rip off the macbook pro screen but it still works oh okay like this is this is just an interesting and interesting size to have and even though my first thought was this thing is just comically ridiculously big Later in the day, I was using it just for some normal work, and I had it on a little stand like I would normally use, and I was using a Bluetooth keyboard with it, and I thought, oh, actually, I get used to this size almost instantly, because when I'm using it in this way, it feels very natural. It feels like, oh, this is, this is just the laptop size. But like you, I have some serious, serious thoughts about their software keyboard, and my thoughts are mainly, I do not like it. I do not like it one tiny bit. And I am seriously angry about a thing, which is that they have removed the split keyboard option. So for people who don't know, because this is, I don't know, some somewhat of a hidden feature maybe, but on iPads in the bottom right-hand side of the iPad, there's a button that you can press and hold, which bring, gives you an option to, split the keyboard into two pieces that then go to either side of the screen and the idea then is that you can hold the ipad with two hands and thumb type like you're like you're on your phone and for reasons unbeknownst to me this option is not available on the ipad pro like i would have thought it was just a bug had i not had it confirmed in other reviews like oh no yeah this is this is removed this is not here anymore And I can't believe this because that split keyboard is the only way that I ever type on an iPad. Like when I buy an iPad, the very first thing that happens is split the keyboard and I never join it back again, ever. And I just, I'm shocked that they took this away because if you, like, let's say you're looking at all the different iPads. Pro, regular, mini. And you were to ask someone, which of these screens least needs a keyboard that splits so that you can type with your thumbs i would say obviously the mini because it's so small already that most people could thumb type if they're holding it with their two hands and that the ipad pro the biggest screen most obviously needs a keyboard that you can split so that you can type on either side but that's the one that doesn't have it and i am absolutely absolutely baffled by that decision i do not understand it
1: like i don't think i can hold this and thumb type on it like I can't, i'm i trying and i can't do it um because even in portrait the screen's just too large for me to be able to both hold and type on this thing at the same time yeah like you have to have it supported against something and type as you normally would on a keyboard which i understand because like it's like well the screens big. i get it right i know why this is happening but i don't know how i feel about it yet Like, I I don't know if it's a trade-off I'm willing to accept. I haven't come to that decision.
0: Their decision to remove the split keyboard is... I mean, this is the thing that happens with Apple. Sometimes they make a decision that they want you to use a thing in a particular way, and they're going to take away your option to do it in a different way. And most famously... I'm going to forget the exact... Mac that it was on, but on one of the very early Macs when they were switching to the graphical user interface, they released a Mac that did not have any arrow keys on the keyboard. And the reasoning, as we have interpreted it through like the historical lens, is that Apple wanted people to be forced to use the mouse. Right? So we're not going to give you arrow keys like you're used to with your command line programs. You have to use the mouse whether you like it or not. And I feel that like taking away the split keyboard on the iPad Pro is a bit like taking away those arrow keys. It's like we are going to force you whenever you're inputting text on the iPad Pro that the iPad Pro is going to be on a desk. It is not possible to stand up and input text on the iPad Pro at the same time unless you want to do the really awkward thing, which is cradle it in one arm like a baby and then try to touch type with your other hand. Uh, like through a hunt and peck mechanism to enter text like that's the only way you're going to be able to do this standing up like i think that apple is forcing it on the desk for text input and i think that's i think that's a a bad decision i don't like that i don't like that at all
1: it's like i'm 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 kind of doing it right now but i'm not comfortable in the way that i'm holding this thing So, like, I'm holding it right at the very bottom, and I'm typing with my thumbs, and it's uncomfortable to hold, and I'm worried I'm going to drop it. But the thing is, I do like the keyboard. This is what my confliction is. I like having the numbers there. I like all the extra characters. I don't like that it's uh, only in US layout, no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. You can say, put it in UK layout, and it changes the glyphs, but not the actual key sizes, which is madness so I have a tiny little return key rather than the beautiful boot that you find on a good UK keyboard and UK a sliver a mere sliver of a delete key um, yeah the delete
0: key is infuriating yeah. on, on the new one it's like I will miss that every single time I don't understand why they have this bizarre delete key so because I can't type on this iPad the way I want to the way I type on every single iPad that I own which is the split keyboard all the time I thought, okay, well, let me just, let me try to do this the Apple way and type with their software keyboard. Now I have the additional problem in that I use Dvorak to type and Apple does not allow you to arrange their inbuilt keyboard as Dvorak. So I would be useless at trying to touch type on this keyboard normally but I have spent many, many years of my life going back and forth between QWERTY keyboards in schools and Dvorak keyboards that I type on. And I am very good at looking at a QWERTY keyboard and typing on it. Like that is a thing that I can do. I can use both layouts fine. But looking at this software keyboard, I have an extraordinarily hard time trying to type on it because if, it fe- or I shouldn't say hard, but just deeply uncomfortable because it feels like, okay, this is, roughly the same size as a regular keyboard. But I still feel like I need to hold my hands very close together to try to have them in the right position to type on this thing. It just, it feels cramped, even though there's more space. And the buttons on the side feel like they're way too big. Like this shift button, the size of it is really wide. The keyboard just seems really uncomfortable to me. And I thought, maybe I'm just, I'm just... I don't know, maybe I'm being overly critical, but there are a couple of apps on my iPad Pro that when I load them up, they don't scale yet for the iPad Pro. And what it does is it loads up the old-fashioned keyboard instead. And so I thought, oh, well, this is an interesting test. This is an interesting comparison. So the old-fashioned keyboard that doesn't have shift buttons on the side or a caps lock button on the side or this dumb, really narrow delete button, the one that's just on the regular iPad that everybody knows... That I can type with relatively easily on the iPad pro. It's like, oh, this is much more comfortable like take the old one but just make it bigger. So I, I don't know I feel like this this new software keyboard they're they're trying to they're trying to force people into using it and they're also trying to pretend like look at us with our full keyboard just like on a real computer. but the experience of using it is for me, I would say totally unusable. I can't type on it like I would type on a normal QWERTY keyboard, and I can't flip it into thumb mode so I can type as easily as I can type on an iPhone. It's useless to me as an input device. And so my conclusion is, well, any time I'm using this iPad Pro, I'm going to have to have a keyboard with it, which means I'm going to be getting that keyboard cover, even though I don't expect to really like that keyboard cover. I, I can see that I will never want to be somewhere with the iPad Pro without the option of at least using a physical keyboard if something comes up where I actually want to type a bunch. Whereas on any of my iPads now, if I want to type on it a bunch, I can do so perfectly adequately with my thumbs, but not an option here.
1: But that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing, right? Because this is the thing that like we don't actually know yet. Like, Because there are still loads of things that I love about the iPad in general that aren't Text entry. Yeah. Like the fact that I would have to use a keyboard of this, I'm not saying that that is necessarily a bad thing yet. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like this could actually still be really awesome, but it just replaces my laptop for like 90% of the things that I use my laptop for.
0: Yeah. Well, this is what I mean by it's Apple forcing you in a particular direction, like with the arrow keys, right? They want you to use that built-in keyboard. I think it's pretty obvious that they want you to use that the the keyboard cover is what I mean. Like they want you to use that. It's a bit weird that they've launched the iPad pro without anybody being able to buy it. like it's a very strange decision. like why not wait a couple of days and sell them together? but okay, whatever uh, you wanted to do it this way for some reason. And so I may be I may end up being in a situation where I'm fine using the keyboard cover, or I might just like I do with my iPads now, just say like, I oh, well, I always have a Bluetooth keyboard with me anyway that I use. And so it's not a big it's not a big deal. But it just seems irritating to me that to remove the split keyboard, like they had to go out of their way to remove this and to remove it only on the iPad Pro. And that's the thing that that bugs me about it. And the other thing is that like there have been a bunch of people complaining about the software keyboard. And I feel like with with this bigger iPad, it's just another another indication to me, like, Apple, please, please sort out whatever the problem is with making third-party keyboards reliable. If you want people to have something where it's like the space of a full keyboard and take full advantage of it, like, there's a lot of amazing things that you could do here, but it's very hard to use those third-party keyboards without them constantly flaking, which I, I, my impression of it from talking to developers is largely Apple's APIs.
1: I, I agree. I mean, I, I would like it because it's kind of frustrating. It's like, we're going to give you the ability to have these keyboards, but they're going to be really crap because yeah. the we can't, we're not giving whatever it is. We're not, we're not putting enough effort into making them as good as they could possibly be.
0: Yeah, it feels like it just, it just hasn't been updated and... The third-party keyboard thing to me seems like a really sensible thing for Apple to do because you think about like, okay, what should Apple focus on? Like, okay, they should focus on this core operating system and the core features that it does. Should Apple be super concerned with worrying about every single keyboard layout everywhere in the world and every combination that people might want to have? I, I think that's a lot for any company to care about, And so it seems quite natural, like, okay, look, if there's someone somewhere that wants to do something different with their text input, like, let them let them make a keyboard. That's exactly the way they want. And then they can put it on the store. And if other people want it, they can get it too. It seems really natural to leave that to third parties. But it's just not the current state of it is not acceptably usable. What I've done is just mentally totally ridden off the ability to put text into the iPad via the software keyboard so in a way I'm pretending like oh it doesn't even exist and I just have to use this device with a keyboard and so that's my way of not getting angry about it that's my way of dealing with it
1: I don't know if that's good or not
0: I don't know if it's good or not but it's a way to make me calmer about the situation it's like okay I'm just pretending there's no keyboard on this device okay (laughs) right that's that's my mental framework for the iPad is there's no keyboard I just I always have to use an external keyboard that's, that's just what I'm going to do. <laughs> but anyway, that's my only major complaint about it. And, of course, it's always easy to complain about stuff. But aside from that, my first impression is largely, I f-ing love this thing. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with you. Right? Yeah, like, <laughs> I agree with you.
1: It, it, they're a... Things that annoy me about it as there are things that annoy me about every piece of technology that I own. Mm -hmm. But overall I also fing love it. Like I (laughs) because I can take two apps and I can put them side by side and it's two iPads. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, I love it, right? So we obviously Federico on the network, he's been testing one for a week of Mac Stories. Mm -hmm. We did a he had a fantastic review. We did a great episode of Connected with him talking about it. And he is the iPad guy, right? He's what he does all of his work from an iPad. And hearing the way that he spoke about it after like using it for a week, it's like, yeah, I can see how he got there. Like this thing is a beast. And it's why I'm so anxious now to be able to try it out with the whole package. Yeah. Um, especially the pencil. Uh like did you see? I don't know if you've seen this, but it's weighted, so it can't roll away.
0: Oh, Mike, I have read every single review that even passingly mentions the pencil. Right. And I have found all of them lacking. Because yeah, because
1: well, they're, they're not giving us... Because people aren't really talking um, about handwriting, which is what me and you care about.
0: Yeah, I was realizing this morning that the only person who's written review of the pencil I would trust would be yours. Because everybody who's using the pencil... Is some version of, oh, I haven't written anything by hand in years, but oh, I can sign my signature with it all right. It's like, oh, that is not sufficient for what I am looking for, <laughs> right? Like, I am yeah. not asking if it is better than the machine that does my signature on the UPS package delivery guy. Like, this is not what I want to know. <laughs> what I want to know is can I be looking at printed text on the screen and make a little insert character and write above a sentence what I want to be added to that point in the sentence? Like, that is the precision level that I am looking for. I don't know if they have that. But yeah, I read every pencil review and it was like, this is not even not even within light years of the amount of detail that I'm looking for. <laughs> but e- even if, as, as we in past episodes have tried to play down our potential excitement for the pencil. I can say that without a doubt, even if the pencil falls short of what I want it to be, I will still use this iPad Pro and absolutely love it. Uh, I was doing this morning, uh, I was writing script for a video that I'm working on, and one of the things that i do a little bit on my iPad Air, but is just so nice to do on the Pro is I have the script that I'm writing on one side of the screen, and then as a little column, I have a bunch of notes about the script that can just stay in place, that can always stay in my visual field. So one of the things I do when I'm writing is to try to keep myself on track, I like to make little bullet points about here are the three main points that this script should be about so that when I'm writing, I'm kind of comparing every paragraph to those three bullet points. Like, Does this reinforce one of these points or am I going off on too much of a tangent and It's just really nice to be able to have lots of space where the whole script is there and I can also have these little notes to myself constantly visible on the side and not feel like I'm giving up a whole bunch of screen real estate to do it. Like I could do it on the iPad Air 2 and I have been doing it for a couple of weeks now that things have finally been updated to iOS 9 but it is a much, much better experience on the Pro. And even a couple of things like I installed... I think in the future, uh, as we were talking in the earlier part of the show, I am almost certainly gonna set up the iPad Pro as my offline creation machine. But when I was just testing it out yesterday, I did install Slack. And even there, I was getting some messages from the artists that I'm working with on the current project. Slack is so good on the iPad Pro. Oh, it is very good on the iPad Pro.
1: Because you don't have to swipe any panes. It's all there.
0: Yeah, you don't have to swipe any panes. I was able to jump in and out of conversations. Uh, the sketches and the storyboards that I was being sent, it's like, oh, this is great. I can look at it on this nice big screen. Like I have this, this just this huge space to work on. Uh, So I personally probably won't use it for that in general, but I I like I thought man, this is just really nice to be able to do this. Uh, I ended up reading a bunch of uh, a book on the iPad Pro as well. I was like, this is enormous to have these two gigantic columns of text. I really like not having to flip the page as much. Everything is great. So I know that we were poo pooing the software keyboard in the beginning, and like it is frustrating. But with everything in life, there are trade offs, and yeah. if there's an iPad that from my perspective has no functional software keyboard is like whatever (laughs) it's still amazing maybe the pen doesn't work at all okay fine i'm still absolutely loving this ipad pro so i am i am quite the happy man here
1: the currently the way that i feel about my ipad pro is like it's a member of my family which is there are things about it that drive me crazy but i just can't help but love it anyway